Welcome back, everybody, into the CC Podcast. It is the morning of Thursday, October 26th. Mike Rutherford's here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Sennard, traveling Dan Sennard all across the country once again, is in somewhere in Tennessee getting ready for a flight. Dan, post-bye week, how are we? We're doing well. I'll tell you right now. So I was in Knoxville last night, driving to Nashville right now. I'm on I-40 West, pulled over. I mean, you want to talk about top two foliage of my life. Oh, my God. <laughs> this drive is unbelievable. I almost was like, I'm going to skip the pod and just kind of bask in the foliage here. Um, so, yeah, shout out John. What's up, John? I hear him back there. But um, <laughs> He's getting ready for that second birthday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. We got to talk about that. But, um, no, bye week was good. I regrouped. It was nice to kind of enjoy college football, knowing that we're still part of the conversation, even coming off that loss. A lot going on. We got sign stealing. Uh, We got ACC madness. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited to get back into the swing of things. Big Leaf guy. Dan Sennard, who knew? A bit huge leaf guy, huge actually. Leaf guy. Loves yeah. the leaves. He's a don't leafer. like to rake. Don't rake him, but uh like to look at him. Uh, it was it was bye week last weekend. It was the time to catch up with the family, do all that good stuff. Uh, what were the Sennards up to? I know Cam, uh, your oldest, your, your son, made his pitching debut. What else was going on? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, the stat line was left to be desired. <laughs> we'll say that. Um, he really, I mean, God love him. Like, you know, he just... It was his first time out there. I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. I was out of town. I got some videos. He looked adorable. Um, you know, long way to go. Got to throw strikes. Had a hard time with that. But, uh, <laughs> no, it, besides that, it was good. I, I mean, we'll get into – I'm sure we'll talk about the Michigan thing at some point. But, yeah, I mean, things are going on up here that are, are kind of out of my control a little bit. I somehow ended up at the Ohio State – tailgate last saturday next thing i know like you know my son comes out of his buddy's house wearing an ohio state jersey Uh, i'm like yeah i'm like here we go so uh it was just another recruiting trip for cam basically so um but yeah i mean it it was uh as much as i want a dog in ohio state i mean the tailgate was was top notch like they they definitely do it right up here um didn't go to the game but yeah, that's pretty much kind of where we were this weekend. How about the Rutherfords? Well, did Cam get get to storm the field in Columbus? Was it, did, did that happen? Yeah, no, believe me. I oh. was, like, showing oh. pictures mm. of him storming the field to just about everyone I knew. So, um, yeah. Not, we're still we're still ahead. We're still ahead. Not to look too much ahead, but I, I'm sure you're aware a lot of the bowl projections this week do have Louisville in the Orange Bowl against one, the Ohio State University. AKA the battle for Camden Sennard. Yeah, no, I'm, I am aware. I'm a one game at a, at a time type <laughs> of guy, uh, but I am aware of what's out there, but my, my focus is on the blue devils. Uh, we, <laughs> we use the bye week the way that everybody should use the bye week by working in family time. We had John's birthday party. His, actual, his actual second birthday is tomorrow. It's, it's Friday, but we as true sports fans use the bye week. For his birthday party, uh, so we didn't. We wanted to avoid the disaster of last year, which was uh, the Louisville Wake Forest game. Top ten opponent. We had the party right in the middle of that. It was it was out of our control. It was terrible. But so this year we we, we got the schedule. We saw that there was a, a bye week the week before his actual birthday. Had some family over. Had a good time there. We tried to do trick or treat at Brown Park. There were approximately forty five thousand kids. I, I think. <laughs> 
that were lined up there. So we there was like an arm there was like an armed police vehicle there that people were were going to see. And so we let the kids go up there. The police officers had some candy, and we we're like, hey, we we did trick or treat at Brown Park because it was going to be like three hours. We had a whole party to get ready for. So that's how we used the bio week. Uh, did some Halloween decoration looking. Got all ready for. A spooky week coming up next week, but it'll be we're gonna have a a nice weekend. We'll celebrate John tomorrow. Celebrate him turning two, which is crazy to me. And then we'll get ready for for Duke on Saturday. Go to another Halloween party and then get ready for the big. Now Columbus, you guys do the thing where where you like you trick or treat on Saturday, right? Um, no, we you know what we trick or treat every like Halloween. I mean that's just gotcha. basically. You know what? I'm so dumb. I could be wrong about that. Like. I don't, I don't even know. remember. What I a dad. I, what a I, dad. I, I know. All I know is I bitch about it constantly to my wife. I'm like, <laughs> they don't do this in Louisville. So whatever it is, it's not right. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the kids, they, they, they don't they don't know any weather. They're like, oh, yeah. But uh, we've had, like, awful Halloween weather, I want to say, like, four out of the last five years. Last year was actually good. But, um, yeah, knock on wood for the kids. Hopefully they get some cold weather, some good weather, but uh, what what's the what's the costumes this year? John and Virginia, they got that lined up. I mean, we're all over the fucking place. I mean, you know, nowadays they have like seven different trick or treat events. It's not like when we were growing up and we yeah. had like we we did the zoo and then we had actual trick or treat and that was it. And I was the same costume for for everything. Now, like Virginia's, she's been she, Jesse from Toy Story. She just randomly got into, so she was Jesse. And John was Woody for Boo at the Zoo, which was great. And you know, their cousin Audrey was was Jesse as well. So they looked cute. That was fun. And then for Brown Park Trick or Treat, she was Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas, which she's very into. And then John's kind of into Jack. Uh, he likes Jack Skellington, so he was Jack. That was cute as well. And we have no idea what they're actually going to be for for the real Halloween. Probably gotcha. Jack and Sally, but we're not like last year. She was all set to be Daisy Duck and or, or a witch, and then I I literally come home from radio, and Mary's like she wants to wear her skeleton pajamas <laughs> and be Jack the skeleton from night because she like just got a Nightmare Before Christmas that day, and I was like whatever. I mean she was the happiest person in the world for that hour, so you, know, you do whatever the kids. Yeah, to make I was the kids say, happy. Virginia putting the parents to work here, so she's um, uh she she's you know. She's high maintenance. We can say that for sure. <laughs> That's so funny. So last night, my kids actually had a event, like a trick or treat event. So they did the dress up thing last night. Um, I was talking to my wife, and I guess uh, they went with a group of parents. One of, one of the dads was dressed as Connor Stallions, the Michigan sign stealer. <laughs> and like the big joke on like the soccer team is all the dads are trying to recruit Cam um, to be like an Ohio State fan. So I was texting with him last night. He's like, "Oh, I had." He was like, "I had uh, large candy bars that I was trying to lure him over into my white van, um, you know, and and kind of explain the whole Michigan cheating thing." And my wife was like, "I don't want to hear it." So these um, motherfuckers. Yeah, I was gonna say. I I feel like we're gonna see that costume up here about ten thousand different ways. Oh so, yeah, oh, um, yeah. it's gonna be big. Let's talk about the week ahead. Uh, cards now back in action. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, the the basketball exhibition opener. We haven't seen um, the team play again since then. We will see them play against Kentucky Wesleyan on Monday. Wesleyan, who played, if you're you know, into this sort of thing, a competitive game against St. Louis last night in their exhibition. Uh, they ended up losing by ten, but it was it was single digits for most of the night, from what I understand. So th- that will be a better test for Louisville basketball. 
next week. We had Kenny Payne at uh, ACC Media Day yesterday, which I refuse to call Operation Basketball. I'm never going to do it. I'm not doing it. Never going to happen. It's ACC Media Day. Just get in line, ACC. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. But we had Kenny Payne, JJ Trainer, and Mike James. Today is actually going to be U of L Media Day, so we'll hear more from Kenny Payne uh, today. But uh, you know, last week, I think we talked a lot about hoops. We'll get into some other hoop stuff later on in the show. But the big focus is the return of the football team coming off a of bye week. Now, I think with even more to play for after North Carolina's surprising loss to Virginia last weekend, the Cards jumped three spots in this uh, this week's AP and coaches poll. They're now number eighteen in the country. They will host number twenty Duke. In a 3:30 matchup on ESPN, big game for both teams. Duke coming off a, a week where they felt like they had Florida State on the ropes. They ended up you know, letting them off the hook and, and, and ended up losing by 18 points. But uh, you know, I think a good Duke team, it's a rare – this is still just the seventh time that we've ever had at, at LNN Stadium a matchup of two top 25 teams. The last one, of course, went very well for us with Louisville thumping Notre Dame a few weeks ago. But, Dan, it doesn't have the same sort of cachet. It's not quite as sexy as Louisville-Notre Dame three weeks ago. But Louisville-Duke, basically an ACC title game, elimination game. There's a lot on the line. This is a big, big deal for the Cars this weekend. 100%. That's why college football is wild. I mean, imagine, like, oh, God, I already went 100%. We're eight minutes I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, I wasn't yeah. going to say oh, anything. Jeez, yeah. Uh, that's one. But oh, we're, Yeah, that that's is one. one. So – Looking at the schedule when it came out, I remember during the uh, kind of going through games and picking, I was like, well, Duke's an automatic win no matter if they're good or bad. Right. Um, after watching them against Notre Dame, after watching them against Florida State, you know, I, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. This team plays their ass off. Like, they play hard. You can tell they're well coached. I know their quarterback's coming in a little banged up. Um, but God, we got so much on the line. It, it was nice. It was so nice during the bye week just to kind of relax, and not only relax, to get help from within the conference. Like I feel like that. Ne- I mean, we haven't really been in a position to where, you know, we're looking for other teams for help just because we haven't been this high in the ACC standings. But um, you know, to have Virginia just pulling out of their ass against North Carolina, that was phenomenal. So a lot, like you said, a lot to play for. Um, you know, I'm glad we got a week to kind of rest up. I think we, we came out of that pit game pretty banged up. Um, so I think the bye week came at a perfect time for us. We needed a little bit of a break and give Jeff Brom a couple weeks to prepare. So I, I feel pretty good going into this game, but you know, this is, this is not going to be a walk in the park. No, not at all. And there are some, to your point about UNC losing to Virginia, there's some weird tiebreakers to get into if Louisville and North Carolina both wind up going 7-1 and one because, of course, they don't play one another. But Louisville's path to the title game, if you want to keep it really simple, there's a way to keep it really simple. Win your last four games and then have UNC lose one more because there are four one-loss teams in the conference right now behind Florida State. We play two of them. Duke and Virginia Tech are both 2-1. and one. Us and North Carolina are both 3-1. and one. So you can take care of, uh, of VT and Duke by yourself. And then UNC still a little bit of a tough schedule. They've got to play. They have to play Duke as well. Um, they have to play Clemson. They play uh, at NC State to end their season. I, I still I think Georgia Tech is this weekend. And if they can lose to Virginia, they can lose to anybody. Of course, they're probably saying the same thing about us uh, losing to Pitt. So it does feel nice to kind of be doing some scoreboard watching to know that that's out there. There's a little carrot out there. Playing for a conference championship would be incredible. Playing in the Orange Bowl potentially 
even if you lose the conference championship game, would be incredible. But I kind of feel like this feels like a swing game to me this week. Yep. Where, one, it shapes the way that you view the rest of the season. If we win this Duke game, all the stuff that I just talked about is going to be what we discuss. You know, can we can we win these last three? Can North Carolina lose? Can we play Florida State? In the, what can we beat Florida State? Ruin their playoff dreams? Like all that stuff will be the conversation. If you lose this game, I don't want to say the season becomes like damage control, but you've probably lost the the hope of going to Charlotte. It becomes more about let's not let the, let this thing slide. Let's make sure that we still have a good season. Let's take care of Virginia and Virginia Tech. Maybe we, we go on the road with a tough Miami game. And then let's beat Kentucky and really kind of save this thing. Let's make sure that we, we don't go from 6-0 and at the midway point with a win over Notre Dame to like a disappointing 7-5 and or even a slightly disappointing 8-4 and with the right combination of losses. I think this game is huge in terms of keeping alive the dream of having a really special season keeping alive the, the hope of having a really great season. And if you lose it, all of a sudden, you, know, you can still have a good season. You can, I mean, 10-2 would be incredible. But if you if you start sliding a little bit more, then all of a sudden the fan base gets, gets a little bit antsy. People start saying, you know, the schedule was easy. We should have had a better year. We got a little too hyped. This is what Jeff Prom does or some letdowns. Like, you want to avoid that with a big win this weekend. I, I think, and, and they're kind of thinking the same thing. I mean, Duke was so high after the Clemson win. They've been nationally ranked all year. Uh, and now... Both teams are trying to avoid a losing, quote, streak, losing back-to-back games for the first time this season. I'm sure they're trying to keep their special season alive. There's a lot to play for for both teams this weekend. I think what a win does here is, I think for the players and the fan base, I don't think it totally eliminates that pit loss from their minds. But at least if we win here, we've kind of moved on from that. Hey, that was a tough spot coming off the Notre Dame game. You know, this is the team that we are, the team, you know, if we come out and beat Duke. Uh, but I'll say this. If Riley Leonard doesn't get hurt against Florida State, I mean, I thought Duke was in firm control of that yeah. game. Um, so I'm interested to see how he kind of moves around and, and just how capable he is during this game. Uh, but you're exactly right. I mean, I think by winning this game, um, you know, this is one of the teams that I think is going to challenge for that second spot. I personally think that they're better than UNC um, when they're at full strength. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's one of those games where, like I said, when the schedule came out, you don't think too much of it. But th- I think this really is going to have a huge outcome on, on kind of how the rest of the season goes. It's an interesting setup with our team because when you look at them right now, they sort of remind you of a better pit, the, the, the way that they're like laid out, and that's a little bit alarming considering Pitt just beat us by 17 points on their home field. And what I mean by that is, you know, one, quarterback situation's iffy. Even if Riley Leonard plays, he's not going to be 100%. He, he was, like, you know, they were like you said, they were in control of the Florida State game. They did not have much success through the air. Like, like, like he wasn't doing a ton even before he got hurt. They were most, you know, they were winning with defense and a couple of dynamic plays. So I, the passing game for them has not been great all year long. The running game is good. He's a big part of that as well. They win with defense primarily. Uh, they're the number four, five scoring defense in the country. They're only allowing 13.9 points per game. So they kind of want to play the same way that I think Pitt wanted to play against us. They, they want a low scoring game. You know, it's going to be a big challenge for 
Our offensive line, which we found out this week now, does not have Renato Brown anymore. He's out for the year, which was a, a shitty thing too. Like like he, I know he'd been banged up in the Notre Dame game. He was held, He was trying to give it a go against Pitt, and they've got that shitty fucking field up there. It's raining. His, his foot gets caught in like a, one of the potholes they have up there at Heinz Field or whatever it's called now, Creaser Field, Acrisure Field, and he, he winds up hurting his knee and ends up getting injured for the entire season so we don't have Renato Brown it looks like we are going to have Jawar Jordan um Jeff Brom at his Monday press conference said that that both Jawar and, and Jarvis Brownlee are, are taking it day to day they'll be kind of game time decisions but Jawar last night on social media had a post saying it was some like um I don't know what the kids watch these days An- anime it was one of those things and it was like an I'm healed thing the, the message was basically like I'm good to go so having Jawar Jordan back will be big time but this is another spot, yet again, I feel like it's the, 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 the fourth straight game where we, we say there's a lot of pressure on Jack Plummer. Duke's going to bring the heat. Duke is a really sound defense. Their, their, their secondary is good. They've created a lot of dynamic plays via the turnover. We need Jack Plummer to be game manager Notre Dame Jack Plummer and not I'm having glaring mistakes that are changing the entire tide of this game. Jack Plummer from the pit game last week. Like, like, there's a lot of pressure on him to just get the ball to the playmakers, make the right read, make the easy throw. Don't have the huge fuck ups that you had last week. Yeah, we need home Jack Plummer to play well. Um, yes, for sure. That we've seen through the first couple home games. Let me ask you: Would you are you more comfortable um, with our team playing a juggernaut on offense or a juggernaut on defense? Probably. I mean. That's a good question. I mean, we've won low-scoring games so far this season, but I, I mean, NC State, we won a, a low-scoring game. They are not a juggernaut on defense. They just played really well against us, uh, and, and yeah. our defense really stepped up. I mean, I feel like our, our defense has been stronger than our offense for the most part, which the numbers don't really reflect that, but I almost have more confidence in, in us defensively right now. Like, I don't know if we can win a shootout with a really good defensive, with a really good offensive team. Like, I, I just don't know if yeah, that you're almost asking Jack to play perfect. Exactly. And, like, that seems pretty far-fetched right now. Um, I mean, I would say that Notre Dame is a more dynamic defensive team than offensive, and, and you know, that was the best game we've played this season easily. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It, it, you know, and another thing that look at this game, I think Mike Elko is one of the best coaches that we're going to face all year. So, yeah. um, you know, I think – Whatever we do offensively, he's kind of that defensive guru. He's going to make adjustments, so you'll probably see the chess match going on between him and and Jeff all game. But yeah, I mean, I I just think if if we can play our game offensively and limit the mistakes, I feel good enough about our defense to where I think we should win this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you're going to pull a pit and hold on to the ball too long on a, a screen pass or you know, uh, just throw it right to the defense, and yeah, then it's going to be an uphill battle. I know it's it, it looks as simple to say like, hey, limit turnovers, play sound football, but I think that's what you have to do on the offensive end to win this game. And, and that was really that was mostly Jeff's message during his press conference this week on Monday. Was you know, we're focused on two things for the second half of the season. 
one limiting the turnovers, two being better in the red zone, and, and that's what that's what got them killed against Pitt. They moved the ball effectively against Pitt, and then had terrible turnovers in the end, uh, you know, sort of near the other team's end zone. And if they could have just shored that up, they would have been fine. Now the the other thing, I know you watched the end of the Duke game like I did. Their backup quarterback Henry Bellin Belen looked terrible in that game. Like comes in, could not accomplish anything. Was one of six. Was missing guys wildly. He did start the NC State game two weeks ago and played well enough. He threw a couple of touchdown passes, but they only threw the ball twelve times. He only had four completions. Like if Riley Leonard doesn't play, I feel much much more confident about this game. And it definitely sounds like he is a going to be a game time decision. He was. He, Already banged up going into the FSU game, got banged up again. It's, it, I mean, it's only been five days since that happened. It's hard to imagine he comes out on Saturday and is a hundred percent. But even if he plays at like eighty percent, that's it, it. Seems like that's better for them than playing the backup. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the end of the Duke Florida State game, I will say they put that kid in. I mean, like once they he had like two drives where it was a close game where they probably could have mixed in some runs a little bit more, but. Once they got behind, you know, it was pass-only situations, and he was, you know, out there running for his life, and the game kind of got a little out of hand. But, yeah, I mean, I would much rather face him than even an 80% Riley Leonard. But I will say one thing that makes Leonard, you know, scary is he can kind of beat you with his legs. So to be able to eliminate that, um, I I think, would be, you know, a, a, a nice thing to have for our defense. But, just his leadership and his kind of command of the offense, I, I would feel more uncomfortable with Riley Leonard back there for sure. The last thing that makes me feel confident about this game is I do think it's going to be a very good home crowd. And we know, I mean, like you said earlier, like you alluded to, this team's been much, much better at home than they've been away from home. I do think the fan base is at least part of that. It certainly wasn't the Notre Dame game. I think you have a fan base now that is sort of the pit loss stung, but you've had three weeks since the team was at home. Your most recent home memory is storming the field and having you know, one of the best games in the history of the stadium when you beat Notre Dame. I think people are kind of chomping at the bit to get back out there. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a crowd that's on par with Notre Dame, but I would expect it to be a very, very good crowd that's maybe in that like sort of tier just below Notre Dame. I, I think they're going to help out a lot on Saturday. Plus 3.30 kickoff time. People love a 3.30 kickoff time. It's not too early. It's not too late. Uh, the weather is looking like it might be a little bit rainy for parts of the day, but it's not going. I, I don't think enough to the point where it's going to actually affect the game or affect the crowd. It should be a, another rowdy atmosphere at Ellen Stadium, and I hope it is because that could really help the team. I, I'm not saying this is a shot at our fan base at all. We have great fans, but like God, just winning this game, especially you got two more home games back to back after this. You just keep the fans involved and coming out yeah. if we stay at the top of the ACC race. That's just huge. I mean, having a, a good home field advantage is just, you know, it, it plays so big in these games. And, um, you know, a loss here, I'm not going to say fans are going to come out for Virginia, Virginia Tech, but certainly it seems like they're going to be a little bit more kind of in tune with the ACC title race and everything and wanting to come out for those next two games. All right, we're going to take some questions from Twitter here in a second. Before we do, reminding you about our sponsors over at Home Field Apparel. Uh, Home Foot Apparel, the best college sports apparel gear place in the business. They have new releases every single week. They just dropped a, a new line of Boston University stuff today. 
They got some new bomber jackets coming out on Friday. And by the way, there's a new line of basketball bomber jackets that are coming out next month for the start of basketball season. Just saying, maybe keep an eye out for that if you are a Cards fan listening to this podcast, which I assume you are. Uh, if you want to keep up with all their new releases, go to homefieldapparel.com or follow them on their social media channels at homefieldapparel without an E on Twitter and homefieldapparel on Instagram. Uh, and again, promo code is chronicle15 at checkout. It's going to save you 15% off your first purchase from Homefield Apparel and homefieldapparel.com. Check them out. Best college gear in the biz. Get yourself situated for the end of football season and the beginning of basketball season with Homefield Apparel. All right, Dan, some questions from Twitter. Let's yeah, have let's at do it. it. And then we'll make some predictions for, for Saturday. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, Connor says, I'm going to need a Halloween-themed Dan of the Dumps. There's no way that this holiday hasn't treated him poorly before. <laughs> I mean, we can go ahead and just get it out of the way right now. Go for it. Um, Why not? Yeah. I'll set the scene. Eighth grade, St. <laughs> Patrick's. Um, I, I, how do I say this? As a kid, I was a little bit naive. Um, <laughs> as a kid, I, I, yeah, I know. As a kid, I, I wish this is a scenario I would have had. Wish I would have had a little bit more help from my parents. But anyways, um, <laughs> I was a clown. All right, I, that was my Halloween costume. I was a clown, and we were like, "All right, like you know, all my friends like, yeah, we're going trick or treat." Like half my class lived in Lake Forest. Um, I lived in Owl Creek at the time, so I had to go trick-or-treating with them. And, you know, everyone's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I just assumed everyone was dressing up, you know, whatever. <laughs> Dude, I literally get there. I'm not even kidding. It's, I mean, eighth grade's like the year where you're a little too cool for everything. Yeah. And I had no idea. So I show up, I got these big red shoes, a clown outfit, a red <laughs> nose. And fucking everyone is <laughs> dressed in regular shit. My parents had already left. I was like, what the fuck? Not only that, I got eggs thrown at me in my fucking clown outfit. Um, It was it was kind of a depressing pill to swallow. Like I don't know. Like I guess I kind of played it off, but deep down, I I was a little bit hurt in my clown outfit that got covered in eggs. So uh, after that, that's when I was like, all right, maybe I'm I'm I got to become one of the cool kids and and stop doing that. But uh, looking back, I actually was like. I was the cool one. I dressed up, you losers. <laughs> there is that point where, I mean, Halloween as a kid is awesome. There comes that point, whether it's like 6th, 7th, 8th grade, through like high school, where it just it's kind of a nothing holiday for you. You're yeah. too old to trick-or-treat. You're too young to go to like fun Halloween parties. You end up just kind of like hanging out with friends or, or passing out candy at your house. And then you go to college. And oh my God, does Halloween get fun again? Like, like a yeah. Halloween weekend in college was the best weekend in college. And then even in like your your twenties, uh, yeah, I felt like we had friends that would throw Halloween parties all the time. And I, I think you and I, we we were on the same page. Like every year when we have a Halloween party at a buddy's house, you know, I think I said it every single year for like seven straight years. I'm like, why don't we just do this once a weekend in like July, in May? Like, like just yeah, like I'm. I'm playing 75 games of Flip Cup, but I'm doing it in a wolf outfit. This is incredible. I love this. Yeah. And then we're going to bars after. This is going to be awesome. And then now Halloween kind of it becomes about the kids again. And, and I, I like it a lot, too, like now. as, a, as a Oh, it's awesome adult. now, for sure. Let me ask you this. Give me your, give me your top two Halloween costumes that you've ever had. Uh, I mean, we think, I feel like there's two different categories, like adult and kid. If we're what, doing, yeah, what, whatever you want. I mean, I was, this is a sick brag coming up, I, I was on the local news twice for Boo at the Zoo costumes. Okay. Once I dressed as Snoopy, 
was very proud of the Snoopy costume. Okay. And then in 1994, I was a baseball player, but I was a baseball player on strike because the strike was happening. And so I had like yeah. a picket sign. I was proud of that. Also, but I think my favorite costume is because I always wanted to wear like unconventional Halloween costumes as a kid. Uh, I was Santa Claus one year. I thought that was very cool. All I can think about when you say a baseball player on strike, there was an obscure WWF wrestler in the 90s named MVP that lasted for like, you know, two matches. I picture you dressed like him. Anyways. I was in a um, full outfit with like a picket sign. Okay. Gotcha. No, I, I like it. I would say mine, uh, one year I was John Cruck. I, I, uh, I've seen the I picture. A, <laughs> yeah. I had a Phillies hat. Like I'm... I, my mom markered a beard on me, and um, I had I had big league chew, and I put a pillow in my stomach to look like John, and I had a ponytail. Um, Fat I said that was my best. Yeah, I was like Ultimate Warrior so many years. But anyways, um, when I was older, I'd probably say uh, I'd probably say my Buddy the Elf costume. Uh, that was probably the biggest hit that I had. But uh, you're, now, Ronald, you're Ronald McDonald. You went pretty oh, all yeah, out for it. Yeah, God. Yeah, notice the similar themes with my costumes here, but uh, you remember when I was a cowboy for like five straight years? <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh gosh, Ronnie, what did you? What did we call you? I forget. I don't Ronnie even remember. Cow. I should yeah. remember. Like, I, I bought the costume one year, and I was like, I'm not getting. I was the Monopoly Man one other year. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the because that was another one where I felt like you. We were going to a party, and everybody was saying they were doing a game show theme or a board game theme. And I think I was the only person that followed up with the theme. I was like, okay, well, nobody, everyone just did whatever they wanted to. Worst uh, costume I've ever had. I was, remember freshman year of Dayton, I was Johnny Mosley, the host of MTV. <laughs> the ch- all, I, all I did was put on like a, a headband. And I was like, yeah, I'm Johnny Mosley. <laughs> You're still better than, uh, our buddy Weber just put a sheet over himself and called himself a spooky ghost. Yes, yeah. Oh, uh, it was Good a bad times. look. Halloween yeah. was great. Halloween was yeah. the best. Uh, all right. Uh, I lost track of time there. Uh, Gil Bolberg says, would you rather have $500,000 or lunch with Jay-Z? Could not be an easier answer. I love Jay-Z. I'm going $500,000. No problem. I mean, no questions. Uh, yeah, sorry. That, that's, uh, like you said, that's an easy one. Adam says, Mike patterned his speech after Jim Rome discussed. I did not. I, 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 I had never heard this before until I started doing radio full-time. And I, I'd done radio, like, pretty consistently from, I want to say, like, 2010 through, like, 2015, at a weekly show on 680 with Mark Ennis for a while. Uh, I did a bunch of guest spots. But it wasn't until I started doing the Daily Show with, with John Ramsey that people started doing this thing where they're like, you sound just like Jim Rome. And I thought it was a joke at first. Like, I thought, because I was like, I don't sound like Jim Rome at all. But it's been a consistent thing for like the last eight years that people say this to me. And I kind of hate it because I'm, yeah, I'm not the biggest Jim Rome fan. I'm sure he's fine, but like, I don't, I don't think I sound at all like him. I mean, you know, I went through like a huge Jim Rome phase, like early 2010s. But I, I disagree with everyone saying that you sound like Jim Rome. Jim Rome is the king of pauses. Like he will pause between sentences for a good like 10 seconds and just be like, all right, how do you want me to react to that? Like, like he, he kind of takes that nature where, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't. I don't hear it when I when I uh, listen to you on the radio or talk to you on this. You think I sound like Jim Rome? All right. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give well, that a thought. That's a good one. Maybe maybe five thoughts. I don't know about that. I I, I do think that because what people say is that there are times on the radio show. You know, a lot of times it's it's back and forth with me and Trevor, or whoever's on the show. 
and there are some times where like when I get really serious about something or like we've had a big win or a big loss, I'll kind of go on like a 10 minute just monologue or, or rant. And I think that's kind of when it comes out according to people. Cause I do sort of, I'm thinking more about my words. There's some more pauses, but I, I've never actually, like I've never listened to that, that show consistently. So I don't even, yeah, it, it's a weird thing to me. Uh, Ty Spalding rivals own says, uh, what do you have to say for yourself after posting quotes from an Arkansas reporter? I mean, I guess we have to talk about this LLS thing. Yeah. Which I did the, the KP Mafia came after me this week. Everyone has a turn. It was my turn this week. Um, so I, I had seen. If you haven't, if you don't know what we're talking about, I'll, I'll give you a little breakdown. So Arkansas played their first exhibition game on Monday, I guess it was, and they blasted UT Tyler. And someone alerted me to the fact that their the story on their twenty four seven sports site had some interesting quotes. And so I saw it. I thought it was interesting. I posted the, the, like the, uh, a snippet of the story, and, and it was all centered around L. Ellis, who played a, according to Eric Musselman, a phenomenal game. He had he was four of six from the field, started for them, had four assists, had no turnovers. And so the uh, I'll skip to the the big details. Musselman basically, before their game against UT Tyler, had showed them clips of Louisville's loss to Lenore Ryan, basically saying like. It could happen to you. You don't want to come out here sleepwalking and lose to a D2 team and have everybody making fun of you, have everyone talking about you. Let's make sure we go out there and take care of business, which is embarrassing, but okay, kind of understandable. We, we had the most notable exhibition loss last year. We're, we're an easy example. But then the, the 24-7 sports writer, he quoted L. Ellis saying this, every time we have film, they just throw little Louisville clips in and, and – things like that all the time so i'm used to it they don't they know that i don't mind it i'm older i know that at the end of the day i'm here and what happened at louisville doesn't matter anymore the implication there being that every time that eric musselman and arkansas have a film session they end it with like all right it's time to get your fucking laugh on like here's the, <laughs> here's your louisville segment of the day and they're playing yakety sacks over clips of us losing to duke by 45 points like that's that's the way that the quote reads and, and yeah. so it, you know he kind of it took off a little bit. People were, were reacting to it. And then L. Ellis himself yesterday, I guess, caught wind of it and, and responded to, to my tweet and said that uh, that's not what I said or what goes on, which is, is fine. But, but a lot of people out there like saw my tweet and took it as it was me reporting these things, me posting these quotes, me saying that L. Ellis saying these things and just like lying about L. Ellis. And then you have a whole lot of people who are like, why would you even do this? What's the, what's the point of it? you're bringing up old shit while you're doing this, like you're just a hater. And, I mean, look, I think it's very interesting that you have a point guard from Louisville who a lot of people wanted to label as the problem when he announced that he was going to transfer, who goes to Arkansas, a program that's been to the Sweet 16 the last three years, is preseason top 15 this year. He's starting for them. He's drawing rave reviews. They're saying he's playing phenomenally. He's going to be a big part of, of the success they have this year. And then the anecdote about them using clips of louisville as evidence of what not to do or examples of what not to do i think is certainly pertinent to our interests it's definitely something worth discussing so i don't think that it's like me just like being like oh let's shit on kenny Payne again it's definitely an interesting storyline and look as fans we don't have games to go off of right now like, like this is fodder for conversation this is a topic this is what you do as a fan you discuss shit like this so I don't think like the, the people coming after me and saying like oh it's just you, you just don't like Kenny Payne you're rooting against Louisville which is complete bullshit like like I 
I want Louisville to win every single game it plays in every single sport, regardless of who the coach is, regardless of who the players are. I want this to work with Kenny Payne. Do I have significant doubts? Of course, I've expressed those a billion times at this point. But to act like I'm trying to root against Kenny Payne because I'm pointing out stuff that's being said on other websites is just absurd. Wow, you went full Jim Rome right there. Is it, did it happen? Did it happen <laughs> it just, right there? It just happened. Um, everything you said, nothing you said that's incorrect. Here's what I took away from this. How did Eric Musselman get L. Ellis to only take six shots and have four assists? I'm more impressed by that than, than anything. I mean, the fact that he's already got him playing in a way where it looks like he's more of a distributor and, and picks his spots, I'm, I'm jealous of that, but... It's um, almost like he wasn't a point guard, which we said on this fucking podcast a million yes. times last year before the season started. I, I mean, everybody's like, he's a, he's a point guard. He's the point. The same people who are saying, you don't know basketball if you don't think we're going to win 25 games this year. We're the same people a year ago who are saying, you don't know basketball if you don't think LLS is a point guard. Guess what? LLS is not a point guard. He's a great off-the-ball guard. They're playing him off the ball down there. He's thriving. Arkansas is going to be really good. He's going to have a great year. Like it was, it was obvious to anybody who's watched a lick of basketball in their entire life how this was going to go last season with LLS being the only primary ball handler. Yeah, that's that's going to be one where you watch all year, and if if he performs at a level that, you know, I don't, know, I I said it last year, and I still stand by it. Just from the style that we had him playing here, I I thought that he, it might be addition by subtraction, just with how they had him playing. Not, not his ability. I think his ability is there, but I just had no idea what we were trying to do with him. So, um, But I think watching him this year have success at a, at a program that's probably going to be, like you said, top 15, top 20, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow probably. And, oh, by the way, I saw that Kamari Land scored a team-high 18 points uh, when Arizona State beat... No, he didn't. Arizona State beat San Diego State, who, of course, played for the national title last year in a secret scrimmage, and he led them in scoring with 18 points. So that that feels good. If you are looking for a little bit of a pick-me-up, I have heard bad things about Jalen Withers from from secret sources at North Carolina that are like, ooh, yeah, he's... He's kind of doing the same stuff that he was doing at Louisville. So at least there's that. At least, at least that's not going to make you feel bad until he scores 45 against us when they play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Derek says, should KP have hired Mark Lieberman to the staff this season instead of promoting Wagner or Snyder? Like, if we're up to me, yeah. I, I, I know Mark Lieberman a little bit. I mean, he was an, a primary assistant on two very good staffs under Rick Patino here. He then went with um, – with Richard to FIU, where they had a lot of success. He was the associate head coach at Southeastern Louisiana. They were having success. I think he knows ball. I think that he would help out significantly on the staff, but it didn't happen. I mean, it's not even about Lieberman, who I personally like. Like, if you want to hire Lieberman, fine. I, I think they should have shaken up the staff a little bit after winning four games. But uh, what do I know? I'm just a uh, sidekick podcaster. I mean, the the shock of Kenny Payne when he was asked that question after the last game last season still just blows my mind. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? We got the best staff in the country. I'm like, can the best staff in the country go 4-28 and at a place like Louisville? It seems like that's not something that would be the case, but like, Wingy, we'll find out this year. Yeah. Um, Wingdep says, what are your thoughts on this from John Rothstein? 
Early, our best lineup looks like Clark, James, Williams, White, and Evans. It's a take from John Rothstein saying that uh, always take observations from exhibitions with a grain of salt, but this is undeniable. Trey White's best position is small ball power forward. The transfer from USC is a key piece for Louisville. I mean, I, I, I do think that Trey White is more of a small forward or power forward than he is a shooting guard. And I think you're probably going to see that this year. I do wonder if that's intel from Rothstein, if he's talking to somebody at Louisville that's like, we're going to go with a smaller lineup. Because when you look at the way that our guys have played from what we see in the red-white scrimmage and, and the Simmons College game, I think you feel pretty confident in saying, Sky Clark will start at point guard. Mike James is going to be in there at some point. I mean, at this point, it looks like Dennis Evans is going to be your man at the five. Trey White's got to be there somewhere. Who do you go with at the four? We haven't seen much from Brandon Huntley-Hatfield at all. We haven't seen much from Emmanuel Okorafor when he's gotten in games. J.J. Trainer is an energy guy, effort guy, but he's, he's limited, I think, from a just overall skill standpoint. This says to me that we're going to see Trey White start at the four and then maybe like Curtis Williams start at the three. Like I, I can see that being the case. But I do think that White is more of a forward than he is a, a shooting guard for sure. Yeah, I, I, I got to see him play against a real team before sure, I really make sure. any observations. And I know, you know, we're just discussing right now. But I guess with the little you can take away from that first game, yeah, I think I would feel a little more comfortable right now with just seeing Curtis's stroke and, um, you know, how he is just kind of fluid and shooting the basketball. Uh, maybe give him a shot at, at the three and, and put Mike James at the two. But, yeah, and a lot of it might just come down to matchups. There may be times where, you know, we're going to have to put in, you know, BHH or a core of four against a bigger team. But uh, I think we'll figure that out as we go. Uh, Nick Coffey, Radio Zone, says, my wife is trying to force me to get a vasectomy. How do I get out of it? This is more of a question for Dan. Well, yeah, I, I'll tell you how I got out of it. I, uh, I, I was all set to get one a couple of years ago, and we had talked about this, me and my wife. And, uh, and then there was the night before we were, I was supposed to go. We had on the, we, I already had, like, my pre-op and everything. I was ready, you know, to go. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm heading out at 8 a.m. And she's like, so you're really doing this, huh? I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, we've talked. Yeah, I'm doing it. She was like, well, I just didn't know you were actually going to do it. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, it's uh, it's just kind of final, you know. And I'm like, well, now I don't know what to do. So, so what I did was I pondered it all night, and then I called the hosser, whoever the the doctor. At, 12 30 in the morning because i knew he wouldn't answer and left him a voicemail i was like oh i got covid i can't go <laughs> um, <laughs> and my so yeah that's that's how i got out of it but um no good luck to nick whatever you choose if you're gonna do it i suggest doing it during march madness um that way you can ice yourself up and put your feet up and uh watch basketball all week definitely do it on a friday that way you get the whole weekend like yeah, that's, that's that's the way to do it. I have not had a vasectomy. We have not had that conversation, but we—I mean—we have multiple friends that have done. It. I know my brother did it. He had a horrifying story about them accidentally showing his balls. Uh, that which which I really enjoy, Love but that it. was yeah. That, you know, there's there's some good stories out there. But if you want to get out of it, you heard it from Dan. Say you're you've got COVID. Yeah, Howie Lindsay, another one of Radio Zone. 
If you were in charge of a covert sign-stealing program at Louisville Football, what would your code name be? A second question, you can guarantee one thing with the push of a button. Football gets to nine wins in the regular season or basketball gets to 17. Which do you choose? First question, what would your your, your covert sign-stealing name be? High voltage. I use it for everything. Um, <laughs> it's, definitely it's high a, voltage. It's not even. It's not a pseudonym. It's not. It's not. It's not a name. It's like a. It's a laser tag name. No, hundred percent. But I just use it for everything. So that's uh, that's going to be. I'm not changing. It's high voltage. Um, I'd be Ron Jacobs. Don't ask me why. <laughs> yeah, that high voltage just destroyed whatever you're doing. So. Um, Ron yeah. Jacobs knows how to spy. Uh, right. So, would would you rather push a button and guarantee a nine win football regular season or a seventeen win basketball season? I think this is an easy question. Um, do you? Yes. I mean, I'm guessing you're leaning towards seventeen wins. No, I'm leaning towards nine wins for football. Guaranteeing nine wins for football is like. Because that still leaves open the possibility of getting to 10 or 11. Nine becomes the, the, the floor. Okay. 17 wins in basketball to me. Like, that's a disaster scenario for this season in my eyes. Like Because you're in no man's land? Yeah. Because like, you'd be, depending on how you do in the conference tournament, you'd be at right around 500, like 17 and 16, 17 and 17, somewhere in that ballpark. And I, I, I want to know after this year whether or not Kenny Payne's the guy. I, I want him to either go out there, win 28 games, make the NCAA tournament, and leave no doubt, or have like a nine ten win season again, where we like we know that this just clearly isn't going to work, and we can move on and get somebody in here who can get us back to winning national titles and playing for final fours. Seventeen wins. I mean, you're going to have an argument with everybody. And, and to me, having twenty one combined wins in your first two seasons at a place like Louisville is absolutely unacceptable. Not even flirting with a tournament in your second year at a place like Louisville, especially given the the, the landscape of the sport right now is not acceptable, but I know a lot of people will think it will be. And like, I don't want to be in that, that sort of that purgatory where it's like, I guess we got to give him a third year. It's not going to be great, but let's just do it. Like I, I, that's what I, that's the one thing that I don't want from the season. It's also the one thing that I think is going to happen. I, I guess I misunderstood the question. Yeah. I mean, like if you're saying your floor is nine wins and you can go above that, then yeah, I, I agree with you. I will say like, you know, if we're just writing off 17 wins, like right now, I'd like to me, 17 wins for this team would be, I don't want to say best case scenario, but like pretty close. I just don't see us winning more than 17 games. So um, I guess that's the only reason I hesitated there, but I can, I can see your point about kind of being a no man's land, but I I do think 17 wins from this team, uh, you know, just from what I've seen so far, I think is going to be a a pretty big leap, to be honest. But who knows? I think they're going to be fine. Like, I mean, I think they're going to be. I mean, not fine relative to our standards. I think they're going to be right. like a fourteen to eighteen win team. And to me, like that's not it's not what I would expect from it. it it's not what anybody would have signed up for when you hired Kenny Payne in March of, of twenty twenty one. Like, if you told anybody that. Or I guess 2022. If you told anybody that in his second year he's going to be like a 500 coach, people would be like, "Oh, well, that's disappointing." Like nobody would have been excited about that. And I think we've lowered the bar so much because the the first season was such an abject failure. Um, and, and I think I, that that's the wrong route I, to go. 
Not that I agree with this. If we win 17 games, I, I feel like he's going to get a third year. I kind of do, too. Feeling. I do, too, um, if, we're, if we're being honest. Yeah. I, I, I can't, that's based on no intel. I have no idea what Josh Hurd's threshold is. I, I have no idea where he set the bar. But I, I kind of lean towards thinking that you're right there. Uh, we have a couple of people asking about Halloween movies that we like. You're, you're not a big scary movie guy, Dan. I mean, it's not like I'm against it. My wife doesn't watch them. I have like I, I have the attention span. I can't even like sit down and watch a full movie anymore. I'm a big show guy. Like, give me the shows versus the movies. But uh, I'll let you handle this one, dude. I've gotten to that point too, where like I, I am very much a like I I watch like two movies a year. I feel like, and it's yeah. It's almost a struggle to get through them now. I've become like all of our attention spans are so fucked. Um, yeah, a couple of new scary movies that I like because I, I used to be big into scary movies. I, I haven't watched many in, in the last couple of years. I liked the Babadook uh, a few years ago. I liked It Follows a lot too. Those would be the two that I would throw out if you haven't seen them. Those are, I think two movies that have come out in the last five six years. I, I really like both those. those spooky, but in a different way. I, I like both of them. I did watch. Uh, what did I watch the other day? Um, what's the What's the like the? You love it. Uh, it the show with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Hocus um, Pocus. I with, yeah, I watched it with my daughter. She let Lila. Lila, huge Hocus Pocus girl. So. Oh, Virginia flipped the switch. She's all about Hocus Pocus now, and she yep. she only wants to be Sarah Sanderson, like the Sarah Jessica Parker one, because she's the yeah. young kind of pretty one. Like that's yeah. So she's played Sarah all the time. I'm Max. Uh, John is Binks, the the cat. And then uh, Mary is Mary Sanderson. Makes just sense. She's the other one of the other witches. Love it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Ostrich Prophet says, is Brock Travelstead carrying the program on his back right now? Absolutely. No questions asked. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I would like a made field goal this week. Uh, the, the, the Pitt missed field goals. Although, I thought that was a tough field goal. I, it I was. I would kick there. But, uh, yeah, we, we all love Brock. Uvo Sports News says, I've got to make an appetizer slash side for the Duke tailgate. Any suggestions? My greatest skill in the kitchen is knowing how to boil water and how to not undercook meat most of the time. Uh, That's a tough one. If you're not a big, I mean, there was a period there during my single years in in the 20s when we all had tickets and we all tailgated. I was known as, you know, people call me, you guys call me Ron. I was known as as Cookie Cake Ron for a period. I would always go to Kroger and get the cookie cake. That was my one thing. You can't go wrong with being the guy who brings the cookie cake. Every, everyone loves a good cookie cake. That would be my suggestion if you're trying for a little, I mean, I don't know, some sort of like, I, I do love the uh, the cheese tort. You can pick it up at Paul's or the Cheddar Box. That's always a hit. Buy some water crackers. Very easy to do. Those are my two suggestions. We make these things called panky pankies where it's like spicy sausage and Velveeta, like red pepper flakes, like mixed together. And then you throw it on like these small little pieces of cocktail bread. Um, they're delicious. I highly, if, uh, if you can look it up, that's, right. a, that's a good go-to. Chad says, UofL finished 312th in adjusted de- defense last year per Ken Palm. Jesus Christ, that's so bad. Oh Is there, <laughs> there are 362 teams in the country. Is there anything you can point to that would lead one to believe that will be vastly improved on that end of the floor this year? Even with 100% improvement, we'd still be ranked 156th, which is really, really bad. I mean, I would say having a legit rim protector in Dennis yeah. Evans is the one it, thing that you, I could point to. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, I mean, I, I think that – I know we talked about L. Ellis earlier. L was horrible on defense last year. There's no question about it. Having somebody at the, at the point of attack at the top of that defense, if we're going to play that man-to-man again, 
who can hopefully keep their guy in front of him a little bit better, I, I think will help. Although Sky Clark did get dusted a couple of times by Simmons College guards last week. Uh, I mean, I, I worry about the defense significantly, mainly because I, I still have no idea what Kenny Payne's defensive philosophy is. I, I still don't. Like, we didn't see any consistency as far as how he defends a high ball screen, like how he wants to do anything on defense. Uh, so there's definitely concern there for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm right with Dennis. You know, I think he alone changes things a little bit. I would like to see this year, like, you know, if we, we if we are getting consistently beat off the dribble, like, and I guess we tried it a little bit last year, but, like, can we mix up the defenses or just do something? Like, yeah. you can't do the same thing over and over, um, you know. So, I don't know. Hopefully they, they got in their arsenal a couple, couple different looks we can throw at teams. Yeah, they did throw a zone out there a few times, and it looked like we had kids that had never played zone before. Yeah, exactly, right. Like, be a little prepared if we're going to do it. It was so weird. I was like, do you not know, like, basic zone principles? Have we not? Did we not talk about this at shoot-around? Yeah, we were so spoiled as a fan base. We even knew, like, how a matchup zone worked yeah. as a fan base. Like, you know, but anyways. Drew says, Mike and Danny, what are your all-time favorite uniform combinations for football and basketball? Also, what would a, a dream uniform be if you could pick it? It's weird because we've had so many over the years. Louisville doesn't have like a consistent uniform for either program. We, we get new ones every single year. I really like during the Charlie Strong years, kind of like the simple, if you go back and look, we had like the, the stripe, the white and black stripes on like the red pants in those 2012, 2013 seasons. I like that look a lot. Um, basketball, I love our throwbacks. I love the Duncan Cardinal bird. I know it's cliche. I know it's, it's you know, everybody does. But those uniforms I think are my favorite. Yeah, I – there's a, uh, I want to say the throwback blacks um, that we, I think we wore against Duke one time. We're, we're very yeah. sharp for, for basketball. Like, I remember those popped immediately. For football, like, I, don't, I, I like our uniforms. Like, I don't really have a problem with most of them. Like, I even like when we got crazy with the murder bird helmets. I thought, uh, I thought those were sweet, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too picky. I'm more picky about basketball than football. I don't know if you've seen. I think I think somebody found like saw them shooting a video downtown yesterday and took some pictures. And I'm assuming the 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 uniform reveal is going to be done today. But it looks like we're wearing red tops, red bottoms, and then a white helmet with a like Heisman bird on it this week. And it looks pretty sexy. I'm excited about it. Awesome, nice. That'll yeah. be sweet. Very fun. I know you've got to get out of here in just a second. So this will have to be the last one. Um, I'm not going to read that. Be, there are a couple of Reds questions on here. We don't have time to get into the Reds and how the Diamondbacks make a Shout out Brandon Fott. Shout out Brandon Fott. Brandon uh, Fott, Trinity Zone, Bellarmine Zone, yeah. uh, pitching Saint Game Martha 7. St. Yep. Martha Zone. You know, yep. Trinity Baseball, all they do is produce big-time talent. Some guys do podcasts uh, for, for college sports teams. Other guys go and pitch in the World Series. It's, you know, it, it's whatever. Um, yep. it's, you know, we're, we're all doing big things. Uh Serious Dan says, would a loss and a poor performance from Plummer on Saturday force Brom to make a switch? I don't think so, if I'm being just honest. Um, maybe they use the bye week to, to get Harrison Bailey or somebody else up to speed. But my hunch is that unless it gets real, real, real bad, this is Jack Plummer's team. I think that they've kind of established that. I kind of disagree. I mean, okay. it, like you said, it has to be real bad. Geez, we got eight quarterbacks. I don't. I don't. I don't think Jeff would. 
you know, have any problem like being like, hey, all right, we're going to get Harrison a ser- at least like a series. I'm not saying like you I know, can switch that, yeah. quarterbacks immediately, but I mean, if it goes awful um, two weeks in a row, then yeah, I, I mean, I think Jeff he takes more pride in the quarterback position every than anything, and I think he wants to see success there. So I don't think he would have a problem with trying to shake things up. All right, prediction time. I think we both agree that this is a, a huge, huge game for Louisville's the entirety of the season. I do feel like this is a swing game. If the season ends up being a little bit of a disappointment, this is the game that you point to and say that's kind of where we lost it. If it winds up still being a rousing success, I think this win keeps that alive. I want to keep dreaming about Charlotte. I want to make sure that we, we at least keep that alive going into these games against the Virginia schools. Does Louisville take care of business? They're a four-point four favorite at home this weekend. 3.30 kickoff. On ESPN, Dan, what's your prediction? I mean, people are going to think we're like huge homers because I haven't picked them to lose a game this year. Although, God, I should have picked that pit win. Like, I knew deep down, I was like, this this is not feel good to me. But I went with Louisville. But I, I just, I think with a week off, um, guys getting refreshed, Braum a little time to prepare. I think we play really well. Like, I would be surprised if we didn't play well. Duke feels a little banged up after that Florida State game. I'm going to say we, we, we just kind of keep our, our home momentum going. I think we went 31-17. Wow. All right. You, you like a blow. I think it'll be a little bit closer than that. I like the fact that Jawar is healthy. I, I think that Renato Brown being out hurts a little bit, but Austin Collins, he played big-time snaps against Notre Dame and played the, the entire game against Pitt. He's good. I, I think I, I feel good about our depth there. If we lose a couple more guys, then you start getting a, a little bit concerned. But Jamari Thrash should be back hundred percent. I think that wrist is, is healed up. Uh, Jarvis Brown, like I think that we're going to play well. I think it will be close, but I think we're going to win this game. I think the vibes are right. Cards thirty, Duke twenty four, and we're back here. We're getting excited for Virginia Tech next weekend, and we're still dreaming about an ACC title. Man, let's get it, if, let's get it if it's November and we are in the thick of it, oh. I, my juices are going to be flowing. I mean, first CFP rankings next week. If we win this game, Jesus, gotta, don't even tell me that. Don't tell me that. I mean, you got to think we're going to be like in, we're going to be in that top fifteen or somewhere around that range. Like, like that'll be fun to have that little number next to our name. Let's get it done. We we need this win. This will be big for the entire fan base. Let's keep the football enthusiasm and love and hope alive. Let's get it done. Go Cards. Beat Duke, baby.